Hello everyone, welcome back to the episode 15 of the Wooden Cross podcast. I'm your host Imlong. Do follow the podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts to get updates about new episodes. You can leave your comments and feedbacks in the Instagram page at the Wooden Cross and let me know if you would like me to take up any topics for the future episodes. Your participation will make the episode more interesting and relevant. So let's start off with the new episode here. This is episode 15 and in this episode I want to do a little exposition on the Lord's Prayer as seen in the Gospel of Matthew. What is a prayer? Prayer is a spiritual communion with God or an object of worship as in supplication, thanksgiving, adoration or confession. Prayer is a significant and universal aspect of religion, all religion for that matter, whether of primitive people or of modern mystics that expresses the broad range of religious feelings and attitudes that command human relations with the sacred or holy. From its primitive to its mystical expression, prayer expresses a human desire to enter into contact with the sacred or holy. So as part of that desire, prayer is linked to a feeling of presence of a sacred or holy which is neither an abstract conviction nor an instinctive intuition but rather a volitional movement conscious of realizing its higher end. So thus prayer is described not only as a meditation about God but as a step of going out of oneself, a pilgrimage of the Spirit in the presence of God. It has therefore a personal and experiential character that goes beyond critical analysis. One of the most uh, heart-wrenching prayer that we see in the Bible is also the prayer of Jesus. Jesus' ministry is blended in prayer and in his prayer in Gethsemane for his disciples, for the world and for himself is one of the most emotional prayer, one of the most sacred prayer that we see in the Bible. So prayer is a communication between ourselves and God. We make our supplications known to God and God answers our prayer in His own time. So there are different types of prayer uh, that we utter. For example, like a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of confession, confession of our sins. We also say a prayer of worship or atonement. So whatever kind it may be, it is directed towards God. We utter the prayer and God chooses his response. So in prayer, we align our desires, our will, our life to God. So you and God becomes agreed on life desires, life purposes, life plans, and you work them out together. So prayer always work in tandem. So prayer is not trying to get God to do our will. It is the getting of our will in line with God's will. Prayer aligns the whole self to the whole self of God. So prayer is therefore an attunement, an attunement between the two parties, that is, ourself, our will, and God's will. So in this episode, I want to engage in the Lord's Prayer, which is a central Christian prayer. So there are two versions of this prayer recorded in the Gospel, a longer form within the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel and a shorter form in the Gospel of Luke, when one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as 
John taught his disciples. Matthew records this prayer in the Sermon of the Mount in chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. So when one of his disciples asked, Lord, teach us to pray, this is how Jesus responded. So in verse 9 it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So in this short prayer which Jesus taught his disciples and which has become the standard for most of our Christian prayers, this prayer can be broken up into two parts, that is the God's side and the man's side. So in the first part, in God's side, we align ourselves to God in adoration, in worship, as we say, Our Father, as we say, Thy name, Thy kingdom, and Thy will. And in the second part, we make our supplications known, which is basically a request in the form of give us, or forgive us, or lead us, or deliver us. So there are four aspects in the God's side and even four aspects in man's side of supplication. So basically the first side is realignment and the second side is result. Realigning our will with the will of God. And in the second side is the result of the prayer through our supplications. Prayer does not work automatically in the sense that you pray and God responds. But you get as much result as you have realignment with God. The more you realign your purpose to God's purpose, the more result you get. So the emphasis then should be on the realignment. And when you have a right relationship with God, the result will take care of itself. But if you are always looking for results, please know that you are on the wrong side of things. So how do we realign ourselves with God? So we must realign ourselves to our Father, your kingdom, your name, and your will. So that is the first part of the prayer in which we must realign our will with the will and purpose of God, leaving everything unto God's will, leaving everything unto God's purpose. So the first part is Father, our Father. So in the conception of Father, a new conception of God, there are two things, the love and rulership. And these two are one. His rulership is true love. God cannot do anything other than the loving things. In everything that happens to you, God will do the best thing that love can do in those circumstances. When you pray then to the Father, you may know that love is going to do the best thing that love can do for you in the long-range and short-range purposes of life. Love will always respond either with yes or no. But whichever it is, it is always love. But there is a qualifying word to Father and the word is are. So that determines the nature of religion. Had it been my instead of our, then that would have changed the nature of religion. Instead of being social and we-centered, it would have been individual and I-centered. The word R means a shifting of the emphasis from me to the Father and to my brothers. In other words, it means a renunciation, a renunciation of myself, 
the word R reminds the believers that he is joined by spiritual relationship to many others who have the same needs, problems, issues as himself. So in this we start off by surrendering ourselves to the Father and to R. This opens way for everything that follows thereafter. The word R must stretch beyond family, class, race, color, religion, reach to everybody, everywhere. For the word R is unqualified and is therefore without restrictions or limit. It encompasses the whole universe. The second step in the prayer is thy name. Name is important and the word name stands for the character in scripture. Names were important in the times of Jesus. There were promise and hope in God. There is everything good in God's name. For name here means essential nature. For the Christian, God's name is the Son of Christ. The term name implies the manifestation of himself, which he has been pleased to give, whether partial and preparatory as under the old covenant. We pray in the name of God before we pray for the coming of the kingdom, before we pray for the daily bread, even before we pray for pardon. We pray this because God must come first with us if we would live. God's name must be sanctified in our thought of Him. God's name must be hallowed in our words, in our daily conduct, and in our worship. To pray in Jesus' name means to pray in Jesus' character. In other words, we pray a prayer consistent with the character of Jesus, the kind of prayer Jesus would pray. This is the thing that determines whether the prayer is Christian. So, hallowed be thy name means thy name be revered. It means God's manifestation of Himself may be acknowledged and revered as the one supreme standard of truth and the one means of knowing God and approaching Him. Jesus put first the determining thing, that is God's character, while we put the determining thing, that is Jesus' character, in Jesus' name. The third petition is Thy kingdom come. Here Jesus puts the kingdom the first consideration after establishing the fact of the prayer as being according to God's character. It is a prayer for the full establishment of God's kingdom on heaven and on earth. Any prayer or program or creed that does not put the kingdom first is not a Christian prayer or anything Christian. For even the Bible says, For first seek ye the kingdom of God, and everything shall be added unto you. We pray that the kingdom of God may be expanded from heaven to earth, that his will be done here just as it is done there. So the kingdom of God was the central to the teaching and mission of Jesus as well. So thy kingdom come simply means the establishment of God's kingdom in our life, the establishment of God's kingdom in our society, the establishment of God's kingdom around us. So first is the kingdom of God, the establishment of God's rulership in our life, and then everything follows thereafter. The fourth petition is, Thy will be done. It means let thy will come into complete existence. The thought here is not merely God's will be realized in this or that action, whether performed or endured by us, but God's will as a whole coming into full being. God's will is idle until it is accomplished in act. The coming of the kingdom of God is the doing of the will of God in earth as it is done in heaven. 
The highest prayer we can make in the furtherance of God's cause is that His gracious purpose, His will may be fully brought about in earth as it is in heaven. So that is the first part of the prayer, the four points in which we seek to realign ourselves with God in the form of Our Father, Thy name, Thy kingdom, and Thy will be done. And so if we look into the second part of the prayer, then we see in the second part, man's need, our supplication, and our plea for our daily needs. In the first half, we saw that our kingdom, whether within or without, whether in the individual or in the collective, are only secure as we have learned that it is in heaven who reigns. If we get the kingdom values, we can pray this prayer with some assurance. Give us this day our daily bread. The coming of the kingdom of God would be the answer to the economic needs of men. For we would then pray, give us. The second part of the prayer begins with our petition for our personal need. That is, this is for our earthly food. That means for the maintaining of our earthly life. It is a confession of our need. This prayer is a plea that we may be faithful for daily bread requires each man's cooperation with, with God's constant labor. Yet the faithfulness and cooperation are also gifts. A man must not be a parasite either on God or his fellow man. The Interpreter's Bible Commentary writes that the prayer implies that we should live in simplicity. So the second prayer of the petition on man's side starts with Give us this day our daily bread. The petition in the second part is for bread and not for luxuries. It is a plea for day-to-day provision, not for lifetime security. But more than a prayer for the physical bread, this is a prayer also for the spiritual food. This prayer is not offered to the merchants of trade, but we offer it to the Father of our spirit. As Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. However, in this individualistic age, most of our prayer have become give me instead of us. We have become our own enemy because of our selfish need. For to say give us means the following of the opening word our Father, which is a collective pronouncement, a cooperation order instead of a rootless competitive one. And the second part of the prayer on the man's side is and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The second part on man's side is about forgiveness and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We all have failed, sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. There is no escape from the basic facts of obligation or awareness of our shortcomings. All have sinned, whether it is a personal sin or a corporate sin, such as class pride, racial discrimination, or etc. Men cannot solve the problem of sin. Forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness can be defined as laying aside revenge and claim for requital. Forgiveness is possible only by one morally sensitive and therefore creep who is willing to give all and bear all that the wrongdoer may be won back into life. So only God can do this work for men. The cross is the trust of God's pardon 
the incarnation of His plan and self-giving. But we will also see that the prayer for forgiveness of trespasses is connected with the getting of our daily bread by the word and. So now the question is, are most of the trespasses we need to have forgiven connected with the economic side of life or connected with the getting of our daily bread? Yes, our greatest sins are economic sins, sins so hidden under that we are seldom aware of it. Most of our sins are committed in the face of our daily activities, in the search of our daily needs, in the search of our daily bread. So men's sins are mostly connected with the needs of men, and while we go about doing our daily activities, we sin knowingly and unknowingly. So we will continue to pray that prayer until we come to a corporate order where and when I work for others, I work for myself. That would be an order when I would say that I love my neighbors as I would love myself. So in this prayer, forgiving does not imply a transaction of forgiveness as we transact business. It simply means that these two forgiveness goes hand in hand. If a man should say, I will never forgive you, he can hardly be forgiven. He is not in the mood. He is not pertinently aware of his sins, but only thinking of another man's sin. An unforgiving spirit in us shuts the door of God's face, even though his compassion still surrounds the house. God is ready to forgive us, but we are not ready to be forgiven. The parable of the unforgiven debtor in Matthew 18 is also a witness to this, to this prayer. We are to ask God to forgive us on the condition that we forgive others. If we do not forgive others, then we can never be forgiven. The basis of expectancy of forgiveness is the fact that we have forgiven others. So until we forgive others, we cannot expect ourselves to be forgiven. So this is a prayer of forgiveness that we forgive others so that God forgives us. The next petition of man's supplication is to deliver from temptation and from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Temptation simply means a seduction. But God neither tempts us nor seduces men to sinfulness. God never tempts a man or woman to sin. God can never lead us to temptation, but the prayer is to lead us to overcome temptation and to deliver us from evil. It is a prayer to lead us to the place that is beyond temptation. The last portion talks about deliverance from evil. So not just one type of evil, but from anything that is evil. To Jesus, evil was evil in whatever form it came, be it the evil of flesh or the evil of the disposition, whether in the individual will or the corporate will. The prayer ends with, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, which means God still reigns. By our praises to Him, it induces in us the remembrance that it is to God's kingdom that we belong. Having Him for King and source of law, that is by God's power that we live on earth and stand free from saddened scraps, that it is for the furtherance of God's glory that all has been done for us. So the Lord's Prayer constitutes a central character in a Christian prayer. In the first part, we pray to realign ourselves with God. We pray to realign our will with the will of God. And in the second part of the prayer, we have seen that we pray to God for our daily needs, for our forgiveness, for our trespasses to be forgiven, just as we forgive others. It is a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Soren Kierkegaard says that prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. 
May we all be blessed as we continue to say this prayer. So that's all we have for this episode. Do tune in next week for more.